So who allowed this to happen anyway? Find out my answer on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny from sunny Minnesota in mid-April, and uh, it's my pleasure to bring pushback to you again this week. It's been my privilege to share my heart with you each and every week about all of these uh, topics that are happening in our culture and our role that we play as Christians and Christian families in our culture to bring about real change. I said at the very beginning of our podcast that I'm an equal opportunity pushbacker. And what I mean by that is uh, we are going to push back against uh, the worldly culture that we see and that we're uncomfortable with. But I believe there's also things that the church as a whole uh, hasn't always done things well. And I, I feel like we need to push back even against some of the conventional ways that we've looked at uh, the world, looked at God, looked at each other, uh, and really evaluate those from a cultural standpoint as well. I'm a little nervous about this podcast because I'm today going to dive in a little bit into the world of theology, and I'm unashamedly not a, theolo a theologian uh, by any means, uh, but I love the Lord. I love his word. And I love the truth. So I'm going to really push back, I believe, against some of the even mindsets and uh, spiritual attitudes even in the church, especially when we come up against a crisis like we're facing now. We have this COVID-19 crisis, and it, sometimes it's, it's, it's these times of crisis that actually bring these important topics to the forefront. You know, as a physician, we actually are trying to uh, run less tests uh, because sometimes we just do knee-jerk reactions where people come in and we order a whole gamut of tests and uh, use the machine gun approach. And we're finding out that that's not cost-effective or not always best for the patient. But but the, the mindset that we want to use when ordering a test is, will it change what we do? If we run a test, but it really doesn't change what we're going to do in the end, and then the, the efficacy of the test goes way down. If we run a test and based on the result of the test changes what we do, then that is the turning point or, or the, the place in medicine where we be, can become more effective as physicians. Well, I believe this topic today is going to accomplish the same thing because I'm going to go after a question that's asked so often. Uh, especially when we come up against crisis. And I believe what we talk about today, hopefully, will change what we do. So let me just start by telling you a story, a personal story. So our oldest son, Jacob, uh, was born with a chronic liver disease. Uh, we realized after a few weeks of life that he was jaundice and the jaundice wasn't going away as is typical with most babies. And, and we began to run some tests and uh, really our worst fears were 
realized when we realized that, that this wasn't something that was just going to go away on its own. And he had an intrinsic liver problem, which of course, you know, as you uh, may or may not know, the liver is involved in so many aspects of our body. And so he had a lot of side effects, of course, of having the chronic liver disease. Fast forward five years, uh, Jacob un went, underwent a liver transplant and did and, did and continues to do tremendously well. Uh, it's been a huge blessing. It's been uh, a, a horrific journey that my wife and I have been through uh, with him. Uh, and it, uh, it tried our soul for sure. And it was a struggle and it was painful. There's no doubt about it. But one day I was out uh, running. I I've, I've been a marathon runner and I was out running and, and my mother-in-law gave me a series of tapes. I don't know if these are cassette tapes. They were cassette tapes. I don't know if many of our listeners remember what those were, but I had the Sony Walkman cassette player and I was slapping in uh, these cassettes that my mother-in-law gave me. And it was by a man named Bill Johnson, who has been very influential in our family. Next to Jesus in the Bible, his teaching has been probably the most influential uh, in shifting the way that we think and, and changing the way that we do things. When Jacob, uh, after he had his transplant, he began to have complications uh, where he had tremendous stomach problems and uh, somewhat explosive diarrhea as a, you know, even a five, six, seven year old. And it was torment. And we did ran tests and it turned out he was highly fructose intolerant. In fact, they gave him uh, these tests, these allergy, uh, food allergy tests, and uh, he basically had to smell the fructose before he had to run to the bathroom. And this became quite debilitating for him because, as many of you probably know, fructose is in many of the things that we eat. And uh, so he had to avoid a lot of the uh, usual American foods for sure. Uh, and it became quite debilitating for him. Well, I began to go running and listening to Bill Johnson on these cassette tapes, and he was talking about healing. And he was making the case that, you know, God is good all the time. And a little bit of what we discussed in the last couple podcasts, that he was making the case about job descriptions, that, that the enemy had come to steal, kill, and destroy, and that God uh, and Jesus came to bring healing and to save those who were oppressed. And by his stripes, we are healed. Not someday healed or hope to be healed, but that we are healed through the painful death, crucifixion, and ultimately resurrection that we just celebrated last weekend. And Amy and I, after Jacob was born with this liver problem, we began to go through all of the mental exercises and contortions that many people do when our, we are inflicted with crisis. Does that sound familiar? Maybe where we are right now in our society. But we were faced with crisis, a chronically ill child, and we didn't know if he was going to survive, and, and he came very close to dying on several occasions. It was torment. And we began to go through the process in our minds, our souls, and our spirits what did we do wrong? Why did God allow this to happen? Is it because of our sin? Is it because something that we did wrong? Was it the sin of the generations? We've heard these conversations and we did the same thing where we're watching our child uh, go through a horrific, uh, really first five years of his life that was rough and uh, 
and and it's painful for parents to watch that watch that as we go through crisis. And we asked all of the usual questions that people ask in crisis. In fact, I was just watching CNN uh, while I was on call the other night, and uh, they had Rick Warren on there, the pastor of Saddleback Church. And of course, they were taking viewer questions. And the first question, of course, is, why did God allow this to happen? Or why would a loving God allow any crisis or painful experiences to happen? And so I'm listening to Bill Johnson as I'm running, and he began to so gracefully and uh, effectively lay out the fact that our God is a good God. And I think even most of us as Christians will acknowledge that. And yet we look at something like COVID or liver disease or cancer or sicknesses, and I could not see any good in what was happening to my son. In fact, I felt guilty and my wife felt guilty and, 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 and we felt even spiritually oppressed by what we were going through. And Bill in his teaching began to explain that God is good and he can't give something that he doesn't have. And he is no longer full of wrath or anger towards us, which is why he sent his son to reconcile us to him. And that God is actually in a partying mood according to the story of the prodigal son, because he has his kids back. And Bill explained that somehow in our culture over time, based on the job descriptions, that we've actually flipped things, where when crisis happens or bad things happen or we are inflicted in pain, that we attribute that to God and we say that he's trying to teach us a lesson so that we can become more like him. And if somebody would actually try to pray for healing for the sick, that that's actually of the devil. What has happened in, in even the interpretation of scripture where we've reversed the job descriptions and we've attributed the wrong thing to the wrong person? It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. And in Acts chapter 10, it gives the job description of what Jesus came for. And it said, now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's a powerful job description. And we need to take every life experience and push it through the filter of who Jesus is and who Jesus is, continues to be today. And we need to realize that God is not the one that is allowing sickness and disease and oppression here on the earth. It is an attack of the enemy. And you may say, Yabbats, I call them the Yabbats. <laughs> but Yabbat, what about the Old Testament? God did seem to inflict people with, with disease or pestilence, and, 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 and there was the wrath in the Old Testament. But I liken the Old Testament God to uh, Liam Neeson in the movie Taken. His kids were taken away, and what would your attitude be if your kids were taken away? And I remember there's a line in, in the movie Taken where one of one of uh, Liam Neeson's uh, peers asked him, what are you going to do to get your daughter back? 
she was abducted. And he said, of course, whatever it takes. And I believe that was the heart and still the heart of the father when he sent his son to come and rescue us, whatever it takes. And that was the mindset of an Old Testament God. But Jesus came to say, hey, the kingdom of heaven is actually like a a man whose son gave away all of his inheritance. But when the son realized the error of his ways, and when he came home, it says the father ran to him. And the son tried to say, hey, I'll be a slave in your house. And he said, no, I'll have nothing of that. And he put a ring on his finger and a cloak on his back. And he restored him to his sonship. You may say, yeah, but what about sovereignty? God is sovereign. And so anything that happens on the earth is because of the sovereignty of God. Now, I believe that when we speak about the things that the enemy inflicts on us and our role on the earth, it doesn't take away God's sovereignty. It means that in his sovereignty, he actually chose to empower us and to give us his authority. It actually says in Ephesians that we are seated in him in heavenly places. See, there is a story of Eden where Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, and it clearly says that they were given authority and dominion here on this earth. They were supposed to run with it. The enemy confronted them, but when the enemy confronted them, them they, he had no authority or power. The only way the enemy could gain authority or power is if Adam and Eve gave it to them, to him. And that's exactly what they did. Jesus came and took it back. And after he was resurrected, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. But the next part is the most telling. He says, now you go. You go in my authority and power. See, Jesus came not only on a salvation mission, but he came on a restoration mission. He came to restore Eden. Have you ever asked yourself, why, why, did Jesus, why didn't Jesus just stay? Why did he feel like he needed to go? Why couldn't he have just hopped on the throne and, and, and assumed rule and power here on this earth? Why did he feel like he needed to send the Holy Spirit? And why, (laughs) questions for God, why didn't he just remove the enemy? Why is the enemy still here post-resurrection, post-victory? Why is he still here causing all sorts of problems? Viruses, cancer, sicknesses, depression. Why is he still here? It's because Jesus came to restore us to our rightful position. He came to empower us and to, just like Adam and Eve, restore our authority and dominion. Now, it's not our authority and dominion. All authority and dominion have been given to him, but he has given us and told us to go in his name. We are his kids and we are his name bearer. And the most bizarre, wildish, wild, crazy Reality in which we live is that we are seated in him in heavenly places. It's our position. The Bible says that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Well, the word footstool is the word kabosh. It's actually the word subdue. So when the first family was given the instruction to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, it means to, if there is the enemy who is present, he is to be under our feet. And Jesus came 
to restore our authority and power in him and in his name. So let's call this what this is. When I say this, I mean our current crisis, this COVID-19 attack on mankind. Let's call it what it is. It's an unacceptable attack of the enemy. It's the oppression of the devil. Jesus came. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Guess what, my friends? We are given his name. We are the ones who are put in place on this earth to be ambassadors of heaven. And when we understand our authority and power in him and why we are here on this earth, let me ask you another question. Why doesn't Jesus just take us home? Why doesn't he just remove us from this place and take us with him to live with him forever right now? And the reason is, is he has work for us to do. There is actually a reason and a purpose and a plan for every person listening to this podcast. You are here on this earth because the Lord placed you here on this earth because we are in a battle. We have work to do. And and our understanding of who we are needs to change what we do. Do we just fold our hands and, and, and see what's happening in this world and sit in the fetal position and sweep it under the rug of sovereignty? Or we explain this away as the wrath of an angry God? If that's how you feel, then you shouldn't pray for it to go away at all. Because that's his... Because you're arguing that that's his will. That's what he is inflicting us on this earth. Then you should just sit back and allow it to happen. Or, let me give you an alternative. Based on what I believe scripture tells about us and who we are and our role and position today. We should rise up with the authority and power given in Christ that resides in us and declare not on my watch. See, when I was running that day and listening to Bill Johnson, I believe he said one of the most brave things any theologian could say, and it rocked my world. He said, God didn't allow this to happen. And of course, I'm projecting this to what I was experiencing with my son. He said, we did I know that's hard to hear, but we are the ones left in charge here on this earth. And we are in every way ambassadors of heaven. We aren't pushing against his will, but we are here to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. It's understanding who he is and, and the way that he operates, which, what, which is doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God is with us. It's the mandate of Jesus, and, and we are in him in heavenly places. My friends, we cannot oversell his goodness. He is so good, and he loves us so much. He would never inflict us. A father would never inflict his children with something like a COVID-19 to teach us a lesson. If we did that, we would get arrested for child abuse. He is a loving daddy. And he isn't the problem. He isn't the author. He isn't the inflictor. He's the solution. He's the answer. He's the one 
who has given us his authority to declare not on my watch. COVID-19 shouldn't happen while his ambassadors are here on this earth. COVID-19 doesn't exist in heaven. COVID-19 shouldn't exist here on this earth. We are the ones that need to rise up and be the answer. Jesus in us. So I came home from running one day in the midst of Jacob's fructose intolerance and the pain that he was feeling, and it was torment in every way. Oppression of the devil, to be sure. And I came home and I was sweating and after running and and I was fired up a little bit like I am right now. (laughs) And I came into the house and I said, everybody upstairs, we're having a family meeting. Our kids were all very young at the time and probably worried that maybe they were in trouble or something. And I sat Jacob down. And, and, and because of the stirring that was in me and the teaching I just received, I, I looked him in the eye and I said, Jacob, what you are experiencing right now is the torment of the enemy. And we as a family are drawing a line in the sand and we are saying no more, no more, not on my watch. This fructose intolerance needs to be gone Right now, in Jesus' name, I laid my hands on him and I prayed with authority and with power. And my friends, the testimony that I'm giving you today is that day, that hour, Jacob was miraculously healed of fructose intolerance. Now, I'm a physician. I have a rational mind. I I understand how things work. And I know that food intolerances and allergies usually don't just leave. This one did by the miraculous power of Jesus and his authority. That fructose intolerance couldn't stay any longer. We actually tried it out. We're like, let's put a little ketchup on your hamburger tomorrow. And we tried a little pizza sauce, all these things that have fructose in it. And Jacob had no reactions. He was miraculously healed that day. It went from torment to healing. And I believe because I believe in healing, it doesn't make me a lunatic. I don't believe it's pushing against the sovereignty or the authority of God. I believe it's actually lining up with his sovereignty and his authority. See, we can't allow these things to happen. Now, the point of this podcast isn't to bring any condemnation to his people. But like so many of my podcasts, I want them to be a call to action of who we are and why we are here. We are actually starting to see this curve flatten. And and this could very well be because of the power of prayer and intercession. I don't minimize that at all, but let's keep going. Let's rise up. Our battle is never flesh and blood. It's not the Trump administration. It's not our governor. It's it's not the economy. It's, It's the enemy who wants to bring oppression. And COVID is a common enemy. And those of you listening today may be battling with depression, with cancer, with liver disease, whatever your crisis that you are going through, it's time for us to rise up because we are placed on this earth to combat the crisis and to be his ambassadors, his mouthpiece, his representatives of heaven here on earth. We are filled and empowered with his Holy Spirit to do his work. Well, I kind of got my preach on today and I, and I thank you for receiving this and I welcome your responses. 
I was nervous about this because I know that there may be a lot of different perspectives and even denominational perspectives on the things that I'm saying. But please take this to heart and and I welcome your responses. I said at the beginning, I I am opinionated, but that doesn't make me right. And, And I want to hear people's responses. But I hope that you are inspired, inspired by who you are, by your identity in him and the authority and power that he gave you to now go. I welcome you to respond. I've been so grateful uh, for the for the encouraging responses by so many of my listeners. Margaret from Alexandria, Minnesota wrote, Wow, that was good. I sent your website out to many people who need to hear this. We are aware of the coronavirus and the wisdom about staying safe in our community, but not to live in fear, and God is our protector. God knows the number of hairs on our head, the number of years in life, and is faithful to bring them to pass. He is still on the throne and loves those who trust and believe in him. So we give him praise for who he is and all he is doing in the midst of us all. It is time for us to draw close to him. Truer words were never spoken, Margaret. Thank you for listening and thank you for responding with such inspirational message. We receive it. Now I bless all of you as we go together to set and shape the culture.